Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. We got some depth chart hot takes coming a little bit later. First, Houston Texans depth chart. Did you see Adam Schefter? Uh, he saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their quarterback position. They listed um, Baker Mayfield or Manville's Kyle Trask, and he lost his mind. He's like, I've never seen an or on a depth chart before. There's a, go go watch a college football game. Go look at go look at a depth chart on a game notes of uh, you know Houston and UTSA. There's going to be twenty ors. He, he must twenty not, ors. He must not look at like the Michigan depth chart when he pretends like he still loves that team as much as he does. He can't. There's because no way they've done or at the quarterback position at Michigan for like five years now. It feels like there's some colleges that's, that that don't even do depth charts anymore. It's maddening. Hate it. Here's the thing: Adam Schefter thinking that he can write the rule book or tell you what you can and can't do can kiss all of every NFL team's ass. Because the bottom line is is that they don't care what you think, and in most cases, they hate what you do. They're just trying to do what's best so that they keep the fragile egos and the confidence levels of players that they're trying to bring along in the right department. And they don't want a kid you know, like Trask to be offended if Baker's higher on the depth chart. Or you don't want a veteran that you got to come in on a one-year deal in Baker getting all up, you know, upset because Trask is listed above them. They don't care what you think, Adam Schefter. Neither does Aaron Rodgers, obviously, and a lot of other people in the NFL probably feel the same way. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that whole situation in Tampa. I think it's a legit battle, honestly. They're going to give it to Baker. I think so, but I don't think he's going to keep it for long. Here's the thing, Jeremy. As long as you have Mike Evans and Godwin and the guys you have early on, I don't know, man. They're going to start with a veteran, and then, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and then if and, and there's a lot of ifs. If it goes well, great. If you start considering trading those guys out because you know you're in full blown rebuild build mode now, and and or they're not happy, then sure, that's a time when you put Trask in there and you just say this is the start of the rebuild and see what let's see what he's got, but. If any kind of success happens at all, and because Baker's a veteran and he's got veteran receivers, I think that they're going to stick. They're going to start Baker, and then we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I tend to agree. I tend to agree, but I do think that it could still be won by Trask. Like if Baker's terrible, could. blah 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 blah. I mean, to me, it's if it's this close, I'm surprised they're not just going to go with Trask. Well, I think I think what Blanker said is absolutely right. Yeah, like if you, you had those receivers, you you have to go yeah, with those veterans guys aren't at least be early. Keen, yeah, on starting a rookie quarterback when they're still trying to do things. <laughs> is it really that different if Baker Mayfield's their quarterback? Look at the Rams game. Look at the Rams game. He has the capabilities of being able to read some defenses and make some throws to where veteran receivers, if they're open, can get the football. Sure, he'll make mistakes in the long haul, but I think he's capable early on. And I think the veteran receivers, they're going to not say demand it, but I think their preference is let's see what he can do first before we put it in the hands of a rookie. Yeah, I just don't think their opinion should matter. So. Well, maybe their opinion is that we think we can catch more balls than Trask throwing because he's a better thrower of the ball. Like, that's the only way that Trask is the starter, which Mike should be Evans the only way you decide. I, in my opinion, if, I, if, I, if I'm running a football team, Mike Evans' opinion to me still matters because he's done a lot here, and he's probably your premier, premier player on the whole team right now, and he's also your biggest trade chip. You, you need him to still show he can still do things if you're going to trade him or keep him. Right, but what if he puts better, better numbers with Trask because he's a better thrower of the ball? No, I, I'm sure that's a possibility. But I, I just think that in a season where we just got done talking about C.J. Stroud and other rookie quarterbacks and how the track record of rookie quarterbacks goes, I think that when you're looking at that situation specifically because of those guys, they're going to want a, a veteran. And I think that the coaching staff will probably go to a veteran early on before they probably, with resistance, press the reset button. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's Trask's third year, though, too. I, mean, I know it's his first year in that offense. 
but it's Baker's first year too. So it's sort of like, if it's close, I think I just would rather run out the unknown. Like we all know what Baker Mayfield is. He's a below average NFL quarterback. Like, yeah, he can have this flashes. Of, yeah, Trask was drafted two, three picks after Davis Mills. No, he's drafted before. Oh, that's right. No, Trask was, was a late second. You're right. It was Trask and then Mills and then Mond. They were all like within no. like five picks. You got that one wrong too. Was it Mond and then Mond Mil- went one pick before Mills, and there were, the whole story was that Casario oh, wanted right. Mond. You're right. I'm dumb. And tell us something we don't know. Chump of the week. Ah, is that still going to be a thing? I, I'm guessing I'll be the last one. Which would mean we come full circle. I mean, I got nominated last week. Did you for what? Saying I'm not a white guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna miss that bit. Um, CJ Stroud has been named QB one, which by the way, D'Amico Ryan's is, is giving tidbits to the national media, not the local guys. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. Being chummy with the national guys and then being contentious with the local guys. Like he was contentious again today with the whole starting quarterback thing and the Titus Howard thing. But he lets the Nash he told the he told the the local media yesterday. He goes, we're still working on you know naming a number, like a starter for the the first game against the Patriots. And whenever he was asked about Titus, he said he's going to be out a while. And then he goes to do his little thing with uh who was the who was the NFL Network guy that he was meeting with Pelissero. He goes and meets with does an interview with Pelissero on TV. Yeah, we're giving Stroud the start this week, and Titus Howard has a broken hand. It's the whole Dusty Baker give the national guys way more stuff than you give the local guys. Which how do you feel about that? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. How do you feel about that? I, I feel like. What you have to understand is what Daryl Morey never could understand, which is if you cater to the national media expecting favors in return at a certain point when you need them, then you're going to be used and abused, and you're going to have a very harsh reality at some point when you ask a national media guy to sit on something or don't print something or retract something that you need a favor done. They're not into giving favors to you because they got so many different resources, but they do love it when you give them scoops. Whereas the local media is your friend. If you treat them like a friend and you do the same thing to them that you're trying to do for the national media, they will cover your ass. There are times that they will help you out. There are a lot of times when they are going to be your teammate and on your side and get you done what you need to get done. Whereas the national media will not. Yeah, I didn't. I don't. I don't know how to feel about that, but I've noticed D'Amico being a lot chummier and insightful with the national guys and the local guys. Just something that I, I noticed. Let's pay attention to that, too. Like, if a Pelissero breaks a Texan story, like, okay, well, I, I know that D'Amico might be a Pelissero guy or something like that. Well, let's just keep an eye on it. I'm not going to have a hot take about it yet, just that I noticed it, and I'm seeing if that trend continues. But I've told, I've told you this before, though. I mean, in terms of, like, with the NBA, Daryl felt like if he pumped Woj and some of those guys and gave them scoops that they would do him a solid when he needed him to. And then he got left a couple of times high and dry because they were like, yeah, no, we're still running with this. Whereas if you did that with Berman, if you did that with Fagan, if you did that with certain people locally and then said, hey, at a certain point, can you not run that or can you put a hold on that or can you not do that because we kind of did some thinking about internally and they were like, yeah, sure, we'll do you a solid because you've done us one. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how we'll see what the trend does. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. CJ Stroud's going to be the quarterback on Thursday, which to me tells me that CJ Stroud has won this job. Like the, I mean, actions speak louder than words. Stroud's been running with the ones. How often do you see a rookie quarterback start Week One of the preseason and then not start Week One of the regular season? CJ Stroud's the starting quarterback for the Texans, even though D'Amico Ryan's for some reason doesn't want to tell you yet. CJ Stroud is the Houston Texans' starting quarterback. Now that he's getting ready to play on Thursday, Blankers, quite honestly, this this is backwards. I'll be the first one to admit that this is backwards thinking. I'm playing C.J. Stroud a lot 
in the preseason. I'm not saying like from pillar to post. I'm not saying the entire game. But I'm playing C.J. Stroud more than any other quarterback one in the NFL. Two quarters, three quarters, whatever. This guy needs reps. Juice Scruggs needs reps. We've talked about the Texans' 2023 season should not be defined by their win-loss record. It should be defined by the development and progress of their young players. And I believe C.J. Stroud playing a lot in the preseason does more for his development and progress than playing very little. And I'm going to disagree from the standpoint of, and it's kind of a conversation we were having a little bit yesterday too. I'm good if he's out there with primarily his, his, his main offensive line with his ones, so to speak. And I know that a lot, especially with veterans, they don't want the veterans out there for more than a quarter in the first couple games, probably a couple series. And then they want to see the depth. And they also know the veterans really don't want to overexert themselves in the preseason. I don't want to put him in a in a vulnerable situation because I'm playing him with the twos and threes mm-hmm. and guys aren't capable of doing what they need to do and he's getting run over and he and he's getting crushed. So I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I just I'd be a cautiously optimistic that he's going to get some run with the ones and enough of it to where I'm also going to be extremely cautious and say I don't want him out there with the twos and threes. I agree. Like I don't want him I don't want him to be playing behind Michael Dieter and Austin Decalus and Jimmy Morrissey. No offense to those guys, although it was kind of offensive. But I'm playing my ones more than anybody else in the league. Again, I'm not defining the 2023 Texans season based on wins and losses. So if I'm not basing the season on wins and losses, if there is a if there's a you know, a starter on my offense that gets hurt because he's playing too much in the preseason with the mindset of development and progress for the young players. I'm willing to live with that because again, wins and losses isn't how I'm defining the season. So I want I want the entire offense to, to be able to, you know, get reps. It's so important for a rookie quarterback. And the fact that he also has Juice Scruggs at the center spot is is massive to me. The, 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 he has a rookie in front of him snapping him the football, I think is massive. So I want the ones, and look, I'll add to the entire ones because I agree. I don't want to see these backup offensive linemen protecting your franchise quarterback, and he is your franchise quarterback. But I want the Houston Texans ones playing more than every other NFL's team's ones ones because I'm not worried about the injuries because I'm not worried about the record in the 2023 season well and then there's that black cloud we talk about the fact that you have to kind of be worried about the record because you traded away your first round draft pick and so you you need to win and I think that they've put more precedence on winning right now because of making that move that's the thing so that's where it's that fine line right they care more about winning than I do you're right about that that's that's going to be the main thing that changes everything because I'm with you look as much as we went from embrace the suck to saying okay now we're ready to see the progress of all these young players we all believed that and we were all on board with that and then we saw the trade and then everybody saw the trade and then they did it to themselves by making the trade they put a lot more importance on an urgency on winning this season when I didn't think they had to do that. Yeah, they they are gonna they do care about winning more than me. That's for sure. Uh, Big C says maybe this is a feeling. Uh, well, read the wrong one. He said game one quarter, game two first half, game three sit. I'm cool with game three sitting. I don't need him to play game three. I kind of want to see game one a half, game two maybe even like two series into the third quarter. I want these ones to play a lot. In the preseason, Stroud, Scruggs, that entire offensive line, I'm not scared of injury, again, because I don't care about the win-loss record in 2023. And I think that it's critical for the development, not only of Stroud, but this entire offense that has never played together, year one of Bobby Slowick, to get as many game-like reps as possible. I'm playing this this offensive number one unit a ton in the preseason. I tend to agree with you, though, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, no, and I think that now, is there has there been a shift in the fact that instead of 
third preseason game being massively starter driven that now suddenly the, across the league we're not going to play them at all in the third game? I feel like it's led that way because of that new rule where you don't have to cut everybody early. Yeah. Now the, the cut is all after that final game and it's all at once as, a, as opposed to like the escalator cuts. I, I feel like that third week you're starting to see far, far less starters play. See, because I agree with you that I want to see them play more than any other team in the league. They're, they're ones. I think they have to because I think that based on where this roster has come from, how many young players you have and how many young players you're counting on to be more than just a young player learning, you, you do need to get them more reps on the field against other teams and other competition. But if you play them deeper into games, you're also getting them against their twos, which is like, I want to see that Feels too. Different. Like I want Stroud to have a little bit of a cushion Feels, there. You know what also, I mean? Jeremy, we know that these guys mentally, it's part of the game. If you're playing against twos and you have some success, it builds confidence. Now these, when these guys go back out onto the field, even if it's against ones, they're going to feel better about themselves. On the flip side, though, if you start getting used by a guy that's a second teamer, you, you start doubting yourself a lot more, right? So I think that if you get a young player, though, against a you know, veteran one and, and he's not, it's not going so well, if you leave him on the field for a couple series against the twos coming in, they can build some confidence. Confidence, is, especially with a quarterback. 713-780-ESPN. How much do you want to see C.J. Stroud and the Ones play in the preseason and Thursday? 713-780-3776. We talked about that offensive line a little bit, and the depth is already being tested on that offensive line. But I think Nick Casario has kind of showed you some things that, eh, maybe he deserves a little bit of praise. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Something that deserves a lot of praise, and we give it a lot of praise because it deserves a lot of praise, is Produnk Coops. They have the highest quality basketball goals that you'll find. The best ones on the market. Unlike anything else you'll find in the big box stores. Why? Well, they have a tempered glass backboard. and gives you a true, authentic, real feel. Better than anything else you can find. A breakaway rim. A lot, a lot of goals advertise breakaway rims and have it, but nothing to the quality of Pro Dunk Hoops. Stainless steel hardware, too. It's rust-proof, which you need to have in the humid Houston weather. Look, these goals are the same ones you find in arenas, whether it's the pro game, whether it's the college game. These are the highest quality goals that you find in the pro arenas and the pro gyms. Height adjustable, too. Look, if you want to lower it down, have a little fun game and a seven-foot goal, you can do that. Lower it down to five feet. If you have a little one that's working on his game or just wants to throw down some jams, all the way up to ten feet as well, and they're accessible Accessories are next level. LED light kits for night play, backstop nets, pole pad lettering, and lots, lots more. You can order everything, including professional installation online. Yes, the pros at ProDunk professionally install your goal at the perfect height, perfectly straight. You don't need to bust out a ladder. You don't need to bust out a level because the pros at ProDunk will install it to perfection. Call right now, 281-351-9822, and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Does Nick Casario deserve some credit on this offensive line? Because we've seen some injuries already on this offensive line. Unfortunately, uh, you're going to lose Scott Quesenberry for the entire season. Because of the ACL, MCL. Good thing you drafted Juice Scruggs. Now, a little early when you drafted Juice Scruggs. Many people didn't have him going in the the top two rounds, but the Texans drafted him there, and now he's he's penciled in as your starter. Because right now, you don't have a whole lot behind Squesenberry. So, Juice Scruggs, your starting center. 
You've lost Titus Howard for a period of time. It depends on who is asking D'Amico Ryans to how he's going to answer the question. If it's at a press conference with the local media, he's going to say he's going to be out a while. If it's with his friend Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, he says he broke his hand. But you say there's a chance he could be ready for the opener. Yeah. You rushing him back for the opener? No. Four to six weeks, they open. Eh, I don't, I don't I, want to I think back. here's the thing. What I said to Joe yesterday was, we've seen plenty of offensive linemen through the years that just get the club hand cast, and then you do you can't grab it all. But at the same time, if that means that that big body with the experience is able to get in front of defenders a lot better than whoever's backing him up, then I would put him out there. Other than that, I'm not rushing him back because I know how important that entire offensive line is. I just, again, don't want to put CJ at risk. I don't want re- CJ taking taking you know huge shots because your backup right tackle isn't capable of holding down the fort until he gets completely healthy. Yeah, I'm probably plus it's an offensive lineman with his hands. Like well, I want an know, offensive lineman to have healthy hands. Like it doesn't sound like crazy, right? But you go all the way back to like the Conrad Dobler days where he used it as a weapon to a lot of different offensive linemen through the years when they get a hand injury whether it be finger, wrist or whatever that they put kind of a the hard cast and maybe you know you put it to where you could still use the leverage of the hand, but you can't bend it and grasp things like you would with holding the jersey with one hand. You still have the other hand. It's still going to be a, a it's a detriment, detriment for sure. But at the same time, uh, that's what I'm saying though. But if he's you know head and shoulders better than any other option you have with how important it is to keep C.J. Stroud from getting his block knocked off. I mean, I, I, I leave it. A lot of it's going to be left up to him. Can you play with it? And do you want to? I don't want it to be up to him. Like, I really don't. Like, this is the guy that you've just invested a lot of money into, and before he's, like, even playing a snap on that contract, you're going to rush him out there because he says he's healthy when his hand's still in a no, hand cast I, but, or club? Well, I, I'm going to talk to him and see if, you know, yeah, I mean, how I'll he take... feels about it. But then I'm also going to kind of evaluate, like I said, my roster, my depth, and, and the situation at hand going who we're playing against matters too. But I don't want to put C.J. Stroud uh, behind the eight ball before he takes a snap either because of the fact that whoever's playing right tackles a sieve. George Fant. I mean, that, and that's that's He's the right. point. That's the point that I'm getting at here with Casario. Like, he, we, we talked earlier about the defense and building depth and things like that. And really, it should be a prerequisite for the general manager position. You try to build as good of depth as you can. Now, there's some variables that play a part into, you know, what's your cap situation? What are you inheriting? Things like that. But this offensive line has already sustained two injuries to what would have been starters. Look, say what you will about Scott Quesenberry. He was going to be a starter, at least for the first few games, to get Juice Scruggs ready for the Houston Texans. Now that you lose Quesenberry, well, look, you have a second-round rookie that's going to step in. Like, And, and there's growing pains in that position, absolutely. But it's a second-round rookie with a lot of promise that you're going to after your starting center goes down. The other one, look, Titus Howard, you just invested tons of money into Titus Howard. He's going to be out a while, quoting D'Amico Ryans. And what did Nick Casario do a couple of weeks ago? He he signed a legitimate swing tackle in George Fan. And George Fan has had injury concerns, but as a backup, I'm not as worried about injury concerns versus signing a starter that has injury concerns. Because George Fan means that you're not playing Charlie Heck. So like you have a legitimate you have a legitimate guy who can at least hold his own for two to three weeks while you wait for Titus Howard to get back. So look. 
Nick Casario, a lot of times we blame Nick Casario, rightfully so. I think he's done more wrong than good. A lot of things have you know led to that, have contributed to some of those poor decisions or just the situation he inherited, things like that. The fact that the Texans are turning to a second rounder in Juice Scruggs, George Fant, a legitimate NFL football player, to fill in for the two offensive linemen that got hurt, this organization could have handled that a year ago, two years ago. So it goes to show you that this roster's in a better place and Casario's making those minor moves that maybe go along way yeah look I think to me the biggest thing that really I appreciated out of Nick Casario with everything that happened this offseason is the fact that he he really made a concerted effort to strengthen that offensive line if you're going to go and draft a franchise quarterback then you, you you have to make sure that you have the assurances that you're at least your ones are going to go out there with a ton of experience in their back pocket and enough skins on the wall to say this is the kind of group that I want protecting this kid because he ha- in order to succeed, he's going to need time. He's not going to need his head on a swivel. You can't have him worrying about other things. And I like the fact that he focused on that. He focused on, on, on getting Shaq Mason. He focused on solidifying Howard. He, he solidified Tunsil, maybe too much. But he did what he had to do. And then you still have the questions. He, I mean, he drafted a guard in the first round. It doesn't look good right now, but he made the commitment to draft a guard knowing at some point he was going to bring in a franchise quarterback. The center, the center hole thing is is a little bit dicey because I don't think anybody expected or is pleased about the fact that Quesenberry got hurt because you thought that Juice Scruggs was going to be able to work his way into the position. So now that's why you and I talked about bringing in a veteran, and that's where, again, I'd look at Casario saying, if you've done all this, but now that happens, you've got to address that too because that is what has to be priority one is keeping C.J. Stroud upright and not head on a swivel worried about who he's going to get hit by. And if it weren't for those two moves, I, I think that you're more concerned about that because I'm not concerned with this offensive line. Like Even though you have a rookie center and there's going to be growing pain to the rookie center because it's a demanding position to play for a rookie, I still trust that Juice Scruggs is going to do enough to keep C.J. Stroud at least healthy. Uh, same thing with, no, with George Fant. I almost called him Noah Fant. George Fant's going to be – whenever George Fant's been healthy in his life – He's been okay. Like, I'm not going to say he's a good right tackle, but can he, yeah, can he fill the position for two weeks for Titus Howard hand to get 100%? Yeah, he can, and be serviceable to the point where he's not getting C.J. Stroud killed behind him. Now, if you went to, let's just say, Charlie Heck, I don't feel as confident. If you're no, going to shouldn't. Michael Dieter instead of Juice Scruggs, I don't feel as, comp- uh, as confident. Jared Patterson is a six-round rookie. I don't feel as confident. So I'm giving Casario some credit for building up some depth in the offensive line and perhaps being able to sustain two starters going down. Well, this is why, Jeremy, you and I were talking about this a week or so ago. The fact of the matter is, whether you can get it done or not, you have to be doing everything in your power to find a veteran center right now. You have to find out if there's a veteran center out there, whether they're on a roster or there's a couple that have have surfaced uh, that could possibly be a guy that still has something left in the tank that you could bring in. Kick the tires on some. Make sure that you're talking to general managers about others. But I think it's of the utmost importance with this offensive line and what it means to C.J. Stroud that you can't just rely on Juice Scruggs and the rookie from Notre Dame and say, those are the two guys I'm going with that center. I've got to explore options to get better to get more experience, and to try and do more for my offensive line. I would agree at center at the second center spot, at the backup center spot, but you're you're committed to Juice Scruggs now. No, you're no, pod committed to Juice. I, I know he's he's going to be the guy, but it, even if it is Ben Jones or, or whoever it is, I, I mean, you're looking at different rosters that this is the time when they're going to look to make the transition to a younger, possibly more future-driven center, and, and guys are going to be willing to talk to you about a center that's available, that's a veteran. I got to be having those conversations. I got to be trying to better that position because I know you're right. Juice is the guy that they're going to lean on now. But if he's not ready, 
I don't want to see that affect C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and again, again, we just spent the segment talking about the depth. Like the depth is kind of hanging by a thread now. Like you got it. You got. Maybe it's signing a backup center just in case Juice has struggles or Juice gets hurt. If there's a tackle that gets hurt right now, you know whether it's Laramie Tunsil or George Fant, you're looking at a Charlie Heck. Uh, if there's a guard that goes down, maybe you're looking at a six round rookie and Jared Patterson. So that depth has been has been tested. Uh, the early parts of it, it's fine. Like, you got Juice Scruggs, a second rounder in there. That's fine. George Fant, a real NFL football player. That's fine. He probably can't handle another injury or two. Good news is you do expect Titus Howard back early in the season. 713-780-ESPN. The HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Cash it or trash it? What are your hot takes? What are your overreactions that you want the killer bees to cash or trash? We have ours as well. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Killer bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Prepare for overreaction on my mark. It's that time of the week where overreactions are not only welcome, they're celebrated. They say Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time, but he never fought Cassius Clay. It's Cashem or Trashem with the Killer Bees. This is your hot take. Hmm. Give us a hot spoonful of your opinion. Cash them or trash them. Hot takes, overreactions that you want the killer bees to cash or trash. We have ours as well. 6602 says trash. Uh, Brian, I'm saying you can't afford another injury, but you want to start them more than any other trash. NFL team. Hmm. Yeah, for me, the, the most important thing for the Houston Texans this season, C.J. Stroud. And I think C.J. Stroud grows more and develops more if he plays more games in the or more snaps in the preseason. So that's where I'm at. You disagree. That's fine. Uh, what do you want to lead us off with here? You guys. Blankers. Lead off. Because... I, I had a couple, and I, I don't do as good a job as you guys do writing them down. The Elam ending is a better finish to a game than the normal running out of the fourth quarter Trash. for basketball. Trash. You hate this Trash. already? Wow, I Joe, love the Elam violent. ending. It's the so Elam ending's stupid. great. It's great. You want in the fourth quarter? It's it's fantastic. I don't. You know what I don't want? Well. Okay, I'm going to hedge here a little bit. You can't do it in the NBA because the NBA is already pot committed. The NBA is already, this is the way they do it in the NBA. But the Elam ending is a much better finish to a basketball game than just letting the clock run out. Do you do you, do you want it in the regular season? I don't think I would do it to the NBA. It's would just you, a better ending. Yeah, would I was going to say, in, I can't do it to the NBA. I can't do it to the NBA, but I wish the NBA would have started with this because it's a better ending to a basketball game. I think they'll... I think they might go through it eventually. I don't think so. In overtime. I don't think the NBA can do it, Joe, just simply because, and I maybe if you're going to be like Rob Manfred and you're going to try and like tinker with the game for the sake of making it somehow more time-friendly. But if I'm the NBA, I don't touch this because we always say it's the NBA. Everybody makes a run. You could be down 20 at some point and, and, and in the fourth quarter starts, and then they make a run and suddenly get a ball game at the end. Yeah, that's why I think. The like, Elam ending could, would, would be fine for a run, though. I think it's more because it's compressed. Now you have to make the run right now as opposed to the runs could happen at any time to make the game close again. Sure. I I, I just, I I don't mind it. I enjoy watching the TBT, and I, I do enjoy when they do implement that ending. Yeah. I just think for NBA basketball, it's different, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't tinker with it. I don't think you can do it for the, for the NBA, but I think it is a better finish to a basketball game. I really do. I don't, you don't have to. You don't have the timeouts at the end of games. You don't have the stalling. You don't have the free throws. You don't have the fouling because you have like you're playing to a set points. So you don't want to foul. I mean, it like, would, it's so good. It I would love be it. A, a cleaner ending. It's so much cleaner. I I could see the NBA doing this with overtime. 
Yeah, maybe, but or, I mean, overtime's perfect in the NBA because it's just an abbreviation of what you actually play well, for five minutes. The reason yeah. why you do it for the overtime in the NBA is you're starting out zero zero, so now you just set first one to twenty five wins. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of pointless though, because the Elam ending is kind of like okay, you get to a certain milestone, and now you add ten points to that, and you're playing to that finish. So the Elam ending makes more sense whenever it's not a tie game. No, but I'm saying. The fact that you're not going to play a full overtime period or you're going to play too many minutes. Now, there's going to be a, a, a quick burst of intensity to get to a certain point total, and then you're done. But isn't As, five minutes that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, the, the, the ability to avoid double overtimes. Yeah, it, would, know, it would avoid yeah, that. I, I think the double, triple overtimes, which really, especially when you're going like back-to-back, three <laughs> out of four. I think from an NBA standpoint, from an overtime standpoint, that's where it's beneficial. Otherwise, I just don't tinker with the NBA game. Yeah, it's like the Manfred rule. It'd be the it'd be the silver like, yeah, rule because like, it because yeah. it would shorten like any chances of a double overtime, triple overtime. I, you can't do it for the NBA. I concede you can't do it for the NBA. But it's a much cleaner finish to a game. It's a much better viewing finish. I, I would like it. And there's a there's basketball. a game there's a game winner in every single game. Every single game has a game winner. That's pretty nice. I love the Elam ending. I don't. I can't do it in the NBA. I probably wouldn't even do it for college basketball. I was going to ask you if you do it for college. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. No? I, I love the Elam ending. I just, I'm not changing the NBA. I'm you not changing college basketball. I do wanna, love it. You don't want to put it in anything. It's because I don't like change. Okay, would you do it in high school basketball? You, you see, sure. You're, you're the commercial where you still use <laughs> I don't the, phone like change. With the cord and yeah. all that. I don't like change, but I love the Elam ending. All right, what do you got? All right. Uh, your top five wide receivers this year in the NFL by yards will be Justin Jefferson in order, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown, Calvin Ridley, number five. Uh, I'll trash it. I don't think. I don't trash. I don't. I'll trash it because I don't think I'm on St. Brown's ready to have that big of a breakout. Well, that's right, not man. where I'm trashing. You're, you're trashing. <laughs> I think he is a stud. You're trashing Ridley. I'm, I, maybe AJ Brown too. Like, do really? I expect? Yeah, do I well, expect that offense? That like Devontae Smith is a stud. Yeah, you got to share the ball a lot with it, with Devontae Smith. And do we think the Eagles are going to be throwing the ball that much? Like, what are they going to be running with Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift? How about Jalen Hurts? I think they're going to try to run less. I don't know, sure. man. Like that's kind of how their well, offense think, is built. But I think that run's going to set up the big play pass. I know, but look what happened last year. Like he he finally got hit hard in Chicago, and he was out for two three weeks, and he didn't throw that great. Until the Super Bowl, yeah, but like you said, you got two good running backs behind him too, to where I think they'll they'll they'll, they'll use the run to set up the big plays in the passing game. But I think with those two receivers, you'd be stupid not to throw the football that around to those. And you had a good tight end still. I think this is an easy one to trash because it's so hard to predict the I order know. of the top five. <laughs> like, where's Devontae Adams on that list? Do I think he's going to crack the top five? No, yeah, I think he's probably oh. going to crack the top five. I don't. How about Stephon Diggs? Nope. You don't think Stephon Diggs is going to have more yards than Calvin Ridley? It's. I think Ridley's going to be. He's gonna ball. I think I, he is I would too. have Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson was actually my my, my tough decision between Ridley and Wilson. What do you expect from Cooper Cup this year? I don't expect much because I, I, I don't as, know what I'm getting from. Let me put that way. I expect he's a good player. I don't expect as much because I don't know how much they got around him to protect. And I don't think Stafford's anywhere close to where he was the year even with Super That's Bowl. That's what concerns me is with Cooper Cup. How about name that you didn't mention? Tyreek Hill. Oh, I think that's definitely a guy that cracked top five. That's why I'm trashing. It's so see, hard. And you might be all on the St. Brown train, but one, Jared Goff, I'm not a believer in. And two, number two on that entire list for him is too high. 
I don't. I, just I don't, don't think so. I think so. I think, I think when you got Chase special, and special. you got other guys, I think that's too high. The he one could be top five. The one thing that I wonder about with um, with St. Brown is what does that offense look like whenever Jamison Williams comes back? See, I don't. I don't. Like, think does he cut him. into that yardage at all? I don't think so because he's going to open up the deep stuff and he's going to open up the underneath. He's going to be going deep all the time. That's like the only thing he's got in his bag for Jamison yeah. Williams. St. Brown's going to get all the underneath stuff. That's my biggest my biggest question with St. Brown because I agree with you. I think he's a stud. Um, I just wonder what that offense looks like with him. I think it's going to eat up into his yards a little bit. Last year's top five in the NFL in order was Justin Jefferson, who you had number one, right? Yep. Yep. Tyreek Hill was two, who you didn't have on your list. I left him out. Devontae Adams was number three, who you didn't have on your list. Yep. AJ Brown was four, who you have fourth on your list, and Stephon Diggs was five, who yep. you don't have on your list. Uh, C.D. Lamb was six. Jalen Waddle was seven. Travis Kelsey was eight. Devontae Smith was nine, and Scary Terry was ten. St. Brown was eleventh last year. You know what's, what's crazy? I, didn't, I think two's a big jump. Two's a is, that is a big jump because last year's Tyreek last year to finish second had over seventeen hundred yards. To be in the top three, you needed fifteen hundred. And he's raising the bar on himself, and you've got everybody betting on themselves. I, I just think that yeah, you can say St. Brown's going to be improved, and he might even be in the top five. I don't think he's number two. The reason yeah, why I didn't have Tyreek in there, and I guess this kind of is contradictory with A.J. Brown, I, I don't think the Dolphins have two top seven guys again next year, and I love Jalen Waddle. Like, I just think they're going to give him the ball more this year. I know Tyreek wants to get to 2,000 yards, mm-hmm. and it's his mission and everything like mm-hmm. that, but I, I like Waddle. And if Tua goes down, Best Mike White's going to like Waddle more than he's going to like Tua. I That's, mean, uh, Tyreek. Why is that? Because I probably can't throw it as deep. Okay. Now, Tua's, Tua's arm strength has been questioned yes, before in the past, but not as much as Mike White. You know what's crazy about I just don't necessarily agree with that with Tua. I like his arm strength. It's not elite. It's not Josh Allen it's, arm it's, strength. You get by with it. He doesn't, he doesn't throw the fastball like Josh Allen, but he's he got have the zip. ball. Yeah. It's fair. Um, my biggest concern with Tyreek being second in the league in reception yardage again is because Tua has scrambled eggs for brains. It's my biggest concern with Tyreek. It's Look at Jalen Waddle might have been top five last year. He think, was the one that but he got hurt the most last year when Tua was out. I think it's a blessing and a curse with both Miami and Philadelphia that you've got two studs uh, on the same football team, and you know who gets the football more, and how do you determine with four the double of the teams? Top 10. And, yeah, I think it it could affect all four guys because otherwise, all four guys, if they were just wide receiver one with you know a, a someone different as the other receiver. I think that their numbers are we're going to be greatly inflated. Six eight five six. Uh, Sorry, we both trashed it. Uh, six eight five six. Okay. Key from L.A. Cash or trash Anthony Davis's contract. Trash it and trash it again trash. and again and again and again. Don't they have to do it? You though? take you can't you take senior softy that can't figure out how to stay healthy and is one of the biggest wusses in the league. When someone grazes him with a fingernail and, oh, my God, he goes down like he got hit by a sniper and he's got to go back to the locker room. And then after they get him a a, a warm towel and a hot milk that he's ready to come back in and play again if my team willy willy needs me. And then you're going to overinflate. And when LeBron goes and more pressure is put on him, good luck with that, Lakers. I'm going to cash it. Yeah, you know, because you need cookies and warm milk to feel better about yourself. I, I tend to agree with everything you said, Joel. But the problem is, is the way the NBA is structured, if they don't pay Anthony Davis, they literally can't replace him. It's why Kyrie's in Dallas still, because like you can't just sign a new guy to replace that contract like you can in other sports because well, they're going to be at the cap. You look at it and say, when did you have to do this? Because I don't think they had to do it right now. That's probably true. And so because you didn't have to do it now, and then when you're weighing the landscape of LeBron, 
How long is he going to be doing it? What are you going to be paying him? Maybe that's why you had to do it at a certain yeah. point because I don't. I, I think well, and then if LeBron wants to play with Bronny, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do around him. He may just jump ship on you anyway. Yeah, but so I think those conversations. I think there's going to be, be a certain time when you look at it and say, I could get all that money back. When LeBron leaves, then I don't have to worry about Anthony Davis. I can go a totally different direction. Yeah, I, I, I was just. I think the LeBron Bronny thing is over. It's a good chance. I mean, we don't know anything about Bronny's health yet. But I think the big, the biggest thing that deters it is his health. It's just, it's a huge question mark right now. So, like, I know LeBron, like that's been his dream was to play with Bronny. Maybe it's next year in like twenty twenty four, but or twenty twenty five. But twenty twenty four to me seems like kind of. A long shot. Are there people? Because I had a, one of my buddies in the gym was like hell bent one day on asking everybody if you're Bronny James, do you come back and play basketball? Depends. I mean, we don't know. My anything. biggest thing is just the medicals. I mean, I'm not willing to take the risk because the rest of my life is going to be unbelievably good. That I'm not taking the risk of putting my life on the line because I love basketball. Yeah, but he's got pride though. Um, I it, it depends. It depends on what the doctors are saying. Like, pride if, doesn't mean anything if you die. I'm sure if he's if the chances of him dying are high, I bet you he's not playing basketball. That's why it depends on what the doctors say. Like right. Demar Hamlin's going to play football this year. Katino Mobley had to retire, but then played the big three. Like it depends. Like we we, we know nothing about the medicals right. to make any sort of educated. No, like, judgment I'm just on this saying. Period. If even if there's the slightest risk for me, as difficult as it is to walk away from playing the game of basketball, yeah, I got too much of my life and too many things ahead of me to to risk any of that. I would need to know the numbers. But I want to make a name for myself. I don't want to just be LeBron's son. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know exactly where you're coming from, but I, I want to do something in my life, too. And again, it's like, it's even more so than like Cooper Manning in the fact that he's proven he can play. He's proven that he could be a top-rated player, unlike Michael's sons and, and, and tons of other guys. Sure. To where you could say, hey, look, it was this wasn't your fault. We know that. We know you can play the game of basketball. But I think a lot of people would come to his defense and say, and I credit you because of the fact that life means so much more than trying to establish your own name in basketball. I don't know if that he's like an NBA guy, though. Like, if his last name wasn't James, I'm well, not sure he's an that. NBA guy. I mean, he's I'm not, not sure that he was a five-star prospect until LeBron LeBron was pushing it. In the he's next. not the best kid. The younger one's better? The younger, the younger one's supposed to be better. Really? Than Bronny. No I had no idea. I mean, Bronny's good. He's NBA a, he, good? He's eh. going to be coming off the bench at USC. He's not going to start. I mean, freshman coming off the bench at a good yeah, program at a, is not a, a big deal. At a pretty highly ranked Division One. I mean, a respected Division One. program. I mean, Kentucky gets dudes that play two minutes a game drafted in the first round on an annual basis. Yeah, but most of those guys stink yeah. in the NBA. Terrell on uh, the Twitch says, uh, cast your trash. Jose Abreu or Rafael Montero will get DFA'd. Starting next season, so I guess we'll say before the opening day roster I'm next year. Cash that. You're cashing that? Hell yeah! Who you, who you DFA in Montero? I didn't have. Do I have to choose? Yeah, yeah. Oh. One of the two, Montero. I don't think either one will get DFA. I don't either. I don't, absolutely do not either. No, Montero's been better lately. Knock on wood. Except for those of the two, if you have to pick one. I'd say Montero, but I don't think either one of them's getting DFA. I don't. I, I'm trashing that. I'm trashing as well. Trash. Trash. All right, those are for cash or trash. If you have any others, just tweet them at Pac-Man Joel. Are just you ready read John for some uh, tweets? We can get back to it. <laughs> he had another one over the weekend. Oh, I know. He was calling himself an idiot. Like it was hilarious. Uh, depth chart hot takes. The Houston Texans have come out with their first depth chart of the 2023 season. Is there an or? Uh, there's not an or. Oh, no, no wars with Domingo Ryan. Death chart hot takes. What have we learned from the first Houston Texans death chart of the year? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, guys, before we go to the break, 
not mentioning any names or anybody that really likes fine dining or the way that it might impact you negatively, but if you're looking to lose weight and you don't have time for the gym, well, I don't know if you've heard about this, but FDA, FDA approved semi-glutides available. You can lose up to six pounds in a week when you do the math and figure out how many pounds you can lose in a month. And it doesn't involve you taking time away from your busy schedule to hit the gym. It's something you might want to investigate. They have it at Apollo Men's Health. They have three locations to better serve you. Why not check it out online and see if that service and some of the other services that they offer might be beneficial to you as it relates to your everyday duties. You want to get everything done in the day off your to-do list. And sometimes you feel like you don't have the energy to get it done. You can lose weight and you can feel better and have more energy that way. Maybe you just want to try some of the different ways from hormone therapy to B12 shots that they can try and increase your energy levels so that you can get more accomplished and feel better about yourself. If you're in the gym and you're working your butt off, but you're really sore and you don't know if there's any way to help recover, they have HGH peptide therapy that can help you do just that. You want to monitor your progress so you can see the numbers and they can make sense to you and you see your body fat going down and your muscle mass going up and all those important numbers where they need to be, get a body composition analysis. All available at Apollo Men's Health. Go to the website, ApolloMH.com right now and see all the different services they offer. If a couple of those make sense to you, right there online, schedule your first appointment. When you do and you mention my name, Joel Blank, free B12 shot or a body composition analysis on your first official visit and then let the process go from there. They're going to take good care of you because they care about their patients. And the main thing is, if you're honest with them, tell them what you're trying to achieve and where you're lacking. They'll put you on a program that works, and they'll get you the results you need. I'm telling you I believe in them because I go there on a weekly basis, and they help me have more energy and take better care of myself. They could do the same for you, too. Go see the people at Apollo Men's Health. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. I was waiting for something snarky from from uh, from Spence. Never came. Um, did you see the Another Houston? Segment. It'll change. Did you see the Houston Texans depth chart? I, I'm so excited for this. Are you? I am. What I excites am a, you the most about the Houston Texans depth chart? That, it, that I know there's football. I know oh, there's okay. football after it. Look, I thought this, you were excited about like playoff bat. I mean, oh, uh, I love I a mean, good. Sp- I mean, uh, training camp battles and position battles. Oh, I love all that. You know, I love all that. I'm a sports nerd. I love all of that stuff. I love all the but battles. We also, kind of poo poo on the fact that people build it up way too much. I think that's. I think both things are true. Like the, the Houston Texans depth chart tells you a story. Like CJ Stroud's quarterback number one. Juice Scruggs is, is center number one. Like. Larry Tunsil's your starting left tackle. Like, there's truth to this depth chart. This depth chart isn't all smoke and mirrors. Now, oh. Titus Howard's your starting right tackle, so maybe there are some smoke and mirrors because Titus Howard's still listed as a starter. But there's some truth here. You just got to kind of pay attention to it. You got to you got to take it with a grain yeah, of kinda salt. Sort through the weeds yeah. and and try and see the light at the end of the tunnel and figure it all out. I think things can change in the blink of an eye. I think Juice Scruggs is the starting center right now. He's the starting center for the future. But if you go get yourself some kind of a quality or decent backup veteran center, he, he might not be the starter week one. Uh, I, I don't see any if, way that Juice Scruggs is not the starter camp, unless he's you hurt. you realize the importance of C.J. Stroud. But if he already upright, didn't look good in camp, they would have already done it. They would have already done it. But you already said that Quisenberry would have been the starting center had he not got hurt. Sure. But if they were not impressed with Juice Scruggs, they'd be in the market for another center. They have not done that. But not yet, but it's week one of the preseason. They might still be But looking. if you haven't been pleased with him, you would have already done it. So it tells you that they're at least content with him to this point. Now, there's a lot of football to be played, to your point. Like, what if he's you totally exposed in these preseason games? Yeah, but, I mean, if, if you weren't content with where Juice Scruggs was, you're, you've already signed a center. 
I, I think you could be there might be some concerns or you could be content for now, but you want and you want to see him play against guys with a different uniform on and you want to see him compete this in the early stages of camp. But I don't think that it's written in stone right now for Juice Scruggs, depending on how he plays. And to your point, there's most of the football preseason to be played, like all the preseason games, but also like a lot of this camp stuff. You have two camp weeks with teams like the Dolphins and the Saints. You're spending an entire week with those teams as opposed to just going up against right. your own teammates. So most of the camp is still left in front of you. The, most of the preseason is still left in front of you, to your point. Uh, 6 0 thought Mills was looking better than Stroud. Um, there was days where Mills looked better than Stroud. There was days where Stroud looked better than Mills. There was days where both looked awful, and Case Keenum looked the best of the three. But C.J. Stroud's the franchise quarterback. C.J. Stroud's your week one preseason quarterback. And which rookie started week one of the preseason and then failed to start week one of the NFL regular season without an injury? C.J. Stroud is the starting quarterback for the Texans. It was never in doubt. It was never a question. It was never in jeopardy. C.J. Stroud was the starting quarterback for the Texans the moment they drafted him. Anybody else that was telling you otherwise was trying to get you to listen for 13 minutes. C.J. Stroud has always been the starting quarterback for the Texans since the moment they took him at number two. And he should be. And the only reason why he wouldn't have been, and Joe and I discussed this literally yesterday, the only reason why you would even consider anything other than C.J. Stroud is the fact that you're putting his health at risk because you didn't have an offensive line that was capable of protecting him or you didn't give him every opportunity to succeed and also every opportunity to not get crushed or take on too much. So you're absolutely right. We've said this. It doesn't matter when. It didn't matter when Carolina announced Young. The bottom line was for the Houston Texans, whether you do it this week, next week, or anywhere close to week one, he's going to be your starter week one and for the foreseeable future. And, I mean, they haven't announced their week one starter. D'Amico was pressed on it again today. And he's like, well, we, we have, have a plan. He, yeah, your that's point, the point. He doesn't have The actions are louder than the words. Like, C.J. Stroud's your starter. This goes back to our media. I mean, uh, the, how the media perceives training camp. They are looking for the story, and the number one most important story for everybody in the media is the quarterback and who's the starter and when will you make the insignificant announcement after everybody already knows who your starting quarterback is. The media cares. That's why the coaches get annoyed, but we all know if you know football, C.J. Stroud's your starter. Yep. One. And, I mean, that stuff's fair, too. Like, you want to hear about the quarterback. You want to hear about play, things like that. Like, I, I get it. I get it. But it's just everything is overblown. Exactly. Uh, here are my – you want my, my depth chart hot takes sure. from the first Houston Texans depth chart we've seen? I was surprised. And, again, look, there's truth to this depth chart. Titus is starting – I mean, uh, Larry Tunsil's your starting left tackle. C.J. Stroud's your starting quarterback. This is listed out pretty accurately. Tank Dell is a second stringer, and John Mechie's a third stringer. They list two receiver starters, and this isn't really like X and Y. They just list receiver. The fact that Tank Dell's a second stringer and John Mechie's a third stringer caught my eye. It's interesting. I want to see what it looks like Thursday in terms of reps, who's going out there, how many snaps they're getting based on when they're playing with the ones, things like that. I was surprised to see Tank Dell as a second stringer and John Mechie's a third stringer. You wonder the thought process behind it. You wonder if that's performance-driven, if that's motivational. Uh, if that's a coaching staff that believes you have to earn it by being out there consistently and because he's coming off injury, that you wonder if it's going to be something that you know, is, you're know is you using for the time being of saying, hey, yeah, just we, we expect our football players to play football. And if you're not out there enough or for whatever the reason, they're looking to use it as motivation because otherwise that's surprising to me too. I mean, I thought that Tank might play his way into having a role in this offense this year. Did I think that Tank would be – higher on the depth chart than John Mechie? No, I don't. And you're right, position matters too and how they're using their wide receivers. 
But to me, that's surprising. It surprised me. Now, now Mechie's been healthy. Mechie's been out there at every practice sans one, which was a planned day off for him. So they, they've both been out there. But maybe they are easing Mechie back into things, whereas Tank doesn't need to be eased into things. He's one of the best receivers in college football last year. But very surprised to see that. Uh, this one's kind of irrelevant, if I'm being honest. They have Steven Sims listed as a kick returner, punt returner. I'd be upset if anybody on the Houston Texans not named Desmond King or, or Tank Dell or the ones returning kicks and punts. If you have Tank Dell and Desmond King both healthy and active on an active roster and somebody else is returning kicks, I would be disappointed by that. Well, I think that'd be a mistake. I think for now, maybe, again, that might be encouragement for one or motivation for another. But Desmond King is a guy that looks like you know he's been there, done that, and he's he has he's versatility. He has versatility. But if you if Tank Dell does have a bigger role on the offense, then I'm really going to worry to be worried about running the risk of every time he receives a punt and, and goes out there and tries to do something with it that he could get hurt or get crushed. Yeah, that I would have a guy that's an experienced return guy I can rely on and King, and that those are the one two punch for me as well. One of those two, and I'd be shocked if Sims makes this team. Like he's the seventh receiver right now. You got Woods, you got Nico, you got Brown, you got Tank, you got Mechie, you got Xavier Hutchinson. I'd be stunned if Steven Sims even makes this team. If I'm being completely honest with you, it's gonna be Tank Dell. I I, I I think it could I think it could easily be Desmond King. Or one of the maybe they split it too, or one's a yeah, kick one returner, kick, one's one a punt returner. Yeah, I, I could see that. But I think Tank Dell's gonna be involved in special teams because if he's not really gonna be involved in the offense, like he needs to touch the ball. He's, but we don't know that he's, he's not gonna second be involved in the, the de- offense. He's depth yeah. chart number two right now, ahead of Mechie. He's the highest so rookie on this on this team right now. I just don't think it's gonna play out like I that. I think kick returns are I don't irrelevant. I think so either, but I was surprised to see it. Yeah. I think kick returns right now in the league are irrelevant the way they're trying to phase out everything with kickoffs. Mostly, yeah. Yeah. I think punt returns still have a valuable place in this in this league. But as it relates to a guy that has a lot of skill set that could be affected by getting punished on punts, I, I don't want to see Tank Dell out there. Yeah, ah, I don't mind him being out there. I, I think he could be a weapon in that regard. Uh, the last depth chart hot take, Blake Cashman starting Sam Backer ahead of Christian Kirksey. Christian Kirksey's a backup on this football team right now. That it's one also my eye. it's also interesting. Kirksey's listed as a Sam line uh, Sam linebacker, not a Mike linebacker too. Because did you notice who the backup Mike is? Henry Toa Toa. To- yeah, so good. interesting that Kirksey was in with the twos, and it's interesting Kirksey was not in the middle. I don't think Kirksey's long for this team. I can see Kirksey being cut and not making this team coming out of camp. And, and I've just not been. You know that I haven't mm-hmm. been a big believer in what Kirksey's got left in the tank and and what he can do for this team. Maybe another team, but I'm not even sure from that regard. So it wouldn't surprise me if Kirksey doesn't make this team breaking camp. 713-780-ESPN. Did you have any depth chart hot takes? 713-780-3776. Ryan Presley got touched up the last time that he pitched, and then he didn't pitch in a situation we would normally see Ryan Presley even after a day of rest. Are we concerned about Presley? How are we feeling about the bullpen these days? What's the latest circle of dust? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.